Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Who we got in here? Who we got in here? We got Level Up who? Level Up Nelson. Oh, what up, Nelson? What's good, brother? What's the word, man? No, let me put this thing back on here. Kyle was popping king. It's popping king. So yeah, I wanted to do a little live real quick. We got some very interesting things <clears throat> uh, that have that have just occurred. Um, number one being that Tulsa Real Estate Fund, we just closed on our first property. It's a 30,000 square foot uh, commercial space in South Atlanta. Uh, we're gonna reveal the details on like the address and what we're gonna be using it for and all that stuff real soon. So that was great. <clears throat> um, we also just uh, officially, yeah, yeah, I can say it's official. We, we also officially partnered with a, a town, like a mayor of a town in Atlanta. We're going to be doing some great things with uh, their town as well. And so that we're also going to reveal very, very soon. And let me see, let me see, what else can I talk about? What else can I talk about? Uh, oh yeah, JMA is working on licensing our curriculum to high schools, middle schools, prisons all around the country. Uh, we've, we've made some significant leeway in that. Uh, we're just waiting on the ink to dry. So yeah, we got some things going on. I'm in a real good mood and just wanted to share some of that with y'all, man. What y'all up to, man? What you guys up to? What's going on? Shout outs to, let me see, who else just joined? Style 5, what up, partner? The real big oomph. What's going on? Play for Keith, what's good? What's the word? And shout outs to anybody that wants to book David Shans for a speaking engagement. You now officially can reach out to yours truly. You want to get to David, you got to get to me. So I want to see my... um. My, my DMs jumping from all of you guys uh, putting on um, prop nice was good man appreciate that so yeah I just want to let you guys know man we are really doing some great things trying to expand trying to work with a lot of our 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 our, our, our fellow brothers and sisters that's doing things uh, this Sunday we have our TED talk in Atlanta, Georgia at the JW Marriott starts at 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Tickets are sold out, so you can't come in person anymore, but we will be streaming it live. Um, it, we're like, a, AKA, we kind of calling it the blackout. You know what I'm saying? We call it the blackout because all the speakers are probably the, uh, the smartest, most talented uh, uh, African-American speakers that you know have ever 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 graced any stage like any stage you know and so we got a lot of great people man we got david shans we got jay morrison we have um uh, ramon tooks we have hope wiseman hope 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 is amazing uh we got um let me see we got a uh, tyra baruti she's the owner of a uh, credit medics franchise here in atlanta uh, we got myself you know we got a uh, letitia robb one of the uh, best, sm smartest, most brightest, most talented real estate agents in the Atlanta area. Uh, of course, Jay Morrison goes without saying. Uh, Ernestine Johnson goes without saying. You know, actress, poet, activist. You know, so um, yeah, it's going to be crazy, man. It's going to be crazy. We're really just trying to finish out this year strong. 
and uh, really just step it up another notch, man. Every year we try to do things that are, you know, kind of outdo what we did the past year. And we love to put on our people. We love to put on our people. It's not about just one of us getting all the shine. It's about can we open up the door and just bring everybody through that motherfucker. You feel me? And so, like, that. that's really our, our energy and our vibe over here, man. We just really, really trying to put on everybody who we fuck with, everybody who... You know, it's trying to do something positive for the culture of people that are trying to do something positive for themselves. You know, it, it, it's, it's kind of hard for you to do something positive for the culture if you yourself are not good. You feel me? So, of course, we want everybody to kind of look out for themselves first. But once you're good, it's like, okay, how do we spread this energy around? You know, so that, that's really where, where, where we're coming from right now. And I'm so excited, man. <clears throat> Haven't really been getting a lot of sleep lately, but <clears throat> I make up for it on the weekends and you know, I didn't come into work yesterday. I just spent the whole day at the house just working from home. I was in bed on my laptop, you know, responding to my emails, took my calls from my bed, man. Just had to, you know, regain my energy or whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's what we're working with. I'm trying to gain some weight. So I've been in the gym and I've been drinking these. I don't even know what these are. Are these protein shakes or something? Trying to get as many calories and grams of protein as I can and uh yeah man <clears throat> that's what we over here doing what y'all up to on this wonderful what is it Wednesday is it Wednesday Thursday I don't even know what day it is I think I think it's Wednesday uh yeah it's Wednesday how, how y'all doing on this wonderful Wednesday morning Joe Oakland says stay away from that milk I'm trying man I'm trying I gotta gain this weight first though I got to gain this weight, though. I got to get swole. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? I got kind of small, man. I done lost some weight. I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get my swole back on. I'm trying to get my swole back on. I'm trying to get in. You feel me? Marquise flips houses. What up, bro, bro? Style 5. I like that name. Style 5. That, that just sounds that sound like a rapper name. I feel like if my name was Style 5, I, I'd be a rapper. But for those of you that don't know, I actually, I actually am a rapper. When you think about it, you know, go on Spotify and type my name in. You're gonna see a lot of my songs. I used to, I used to make music a long time ago. I still do write for other artists, and I still do uh, manage and assist other artists, kind of get their careers off the ground, their independent careers. That is, you know what I'm saying. So, y'all kind of quiet in here, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to interact. Somebody asked me some questions. You don't usually get me open like this, man. You don't usually get me open. So now that I'm trying to talk to y'all, I'm trying to give y'all some game and tell y'all what I do. Y'all need to take advantage. Mark said, congrats on the acquisition. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Let me see. Shout outs to Lori. Thank you for joining. Sean, Steph Co. What's good? What's good? What's the word? Trying to answer y'all questions, but you, you know what I'm saying? Y'all ain't trying to take advantage. Y'all not trying to take advantage. So, I mean, what are you guys doing today? Y'all caught me in the office. Dressed down, just got a little t-shirt, sweats, dad hat. Marquis say, how's I finding my wholesale deals? When I started out, <laughs> 
Did I go virtual? Alright, so I'm gonna tell y'all a secret, right? I'm gonna tell y'all a secret. Um when I started wholesaling, I didn't use any like secret special strategies or tactics or like you know what I'm saying? Like the way I found my first deals was bandit signs and direct mail. Those are the only two strategies I have ever used to wholesale. That's it. Like I never used any of these like new high tech way. Not saying that those things don't work, but you don't need all that to get a deal. I used bandit signs. I literally had a sign that said I ordered 120 signs. They said I buy houses cash and then it had my cell phone number. And it was um, a yellow sign and the lettering was red. And I got 120 of those. And when I was in New Jersey, I put one on, uh, um, uh, e uh, what's the name of this highway? It's uh, Free Freeway Drive East. It's in East Orange. It's like, it's not really a highway, but it's just a very long, busy street that like connects East Orange and Orange to um, the parkway. And freeway Drive East or some shit, shit like that. And I put one there. Um, I put a couple on Central Ave in East Orange. Uh, I put a couple on Center Ave in Orange. And my phone was just blowing up. And that was how I got my first deals. Um, I remember I did put a couple on the on-ramps of highways. You know, like when you're getting on the highway, it kind of goes off and turns off. So I put one there because I figured there's got to be thousands and thousands of cars driving on here every day. And this is not an area where a lot of people are walking on. Nobody's supposed to be walking there anyway. So I was kind of confident that nobody would like take my signs or like, you know, kick them over or throw them away or whatever. So that was how I got it, you know, got, got into the game as far as my first wholesale deals. And um, Lori says, how did I start off in real estate? My night job, bro. And hey, now, not job boys, now. I go tell you now. I go tell you now. I go reveal to you the way I started. So, um, when I was 14, my, uh, I, I, I went back to Nigeria for high school. So, when I was 14, I went back to Nigeria. Uh, I was there for five and a half years. I was in Africa for five and a half years from 14 to 19. And while I was there, my last year of high school, I finished, I finished like all my courses in, in class. Well, it wasn't that I finished my courses in class. I took the SAT really early. I think I took the SAT when I was like 17 or something like that. And um, I didn't get a great score. I think I got a 1080. That's like an average score. That's not really high. But um, I sent out some college applications to schools in the States. And uh, one day before school started, after <clears throat> like the morning assembly that we used to always have at school, the principal called me into her office. And so I thought I was in trouble because I used to get in trouble literally like two, three times a week my entire time in high school. So I'm like, damn, they, you know, maybe they found out about something I did. They, I'm about to get in trouble. I'm gonna get suspended, whatever. And she called me in her office and she said, uh, hey, yeah, um, uh, uh, a college accepted you into their school in the States. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. But and I, to be honest, I wasn't even sure how that could happen because I was like, how can you get accepted into college when you're not even finished with high school yet? But they were like, yeah, you got accepted into a college in America. And, you know, congratulations. 
And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so if I got accepted into college already, right, then that means I don't got to go to class no more in high school. So I'm like, man, fuck them senior classes. So like the last four months of my senior year, I didn't even go to class. I'm like, man, fuck this class. I, I got accepted to college already. I'm good. And so during those four months, you know, in, in Africa, boarding school is very big. So I was in a boarding school. So like during those the last four months of my senior year, I wasn't going to class. I was just staying in the dorm. And when I was in the dorms, I would just be reading books. And so like one of the first books that I read, and this is a cliched book. I know a lot of people talk about it, but in all honesty, like this really was like my first book on business. It was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read that book back in, um, I think it was like 2005. And you know, for, for those of you that, that have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know it's about real estate. It focuses on assets and liabilities and how to be a business owner and not an employee, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that shit really just kind of blew my mind, man. And, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Then they had another one. He had wrote another book called The Cashflow Quadrant. I read that one. He, he had like six or seven books in that series. And I remember, I think I read like four of them, either three or four of them during that uh, last four-month period that I wasn't going to school. And so, you know, when I ended up leaving Nigeria in July of 2005 and coming back to America, I just came back with um, just like business on my mind. Like I just wanted to be in business. I just wanted to buy real estate, start a business, make money. Like I wasn't concerned about anything else. And so that was how I got my start. So when I came back to America, I was just trying to figure out like the real estate market in St. Louis, Missouri, because that was where I was, that was where I came back to. I'm actually, I was actually born and raised in St. Louis. So when I came back from Africa, I just went back to St. Louis. And so, um, you know, I uh, really just spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the real estate market was like in the Midwest. And so to answer your question, Lori, that was my start in real estate. That was how I got into real estate. That was how it uh, was, um, you call it, appealing to me. And so, so yeah. Uh, do I see a market correction coming soon? Do you plan on making tons of money when the real estate crash comes? Uh, yeah, everybody should plan on making tons of money when the real estate crash comes. That's where you make your money. A lot of people, this is something that, that people have to understand. And I need you guys to listen to me really, really closely. You don't make the most money when the economy is good. That is false. That's false. Okay? When everybody has a job, when the economy is great, when we have a wonderful president who's just doing everything perfect, that's not where people get wealthy. You get wealthy when the economy is terrible. You get rich when things are just ridiculous when things are just haywire that's when you make money and i'm going to explain that the reason being is that things are cheap when the economy is bad there's a saying that i believe uh became popular during the first great depression of 1929 they say the time to buy is when blood is in the streets so during the great depression in 1929 because the stock market had crashed and people were getting fired left and right, every, there was a shortage of cash. There was a shortage of money. 
And so people were selling all of their assets, they were selling all of their valuable goods for next to nothing because they needed cash that they could get soup and bread to stay alive. And so families like the Rockefellers and the Kennedys and um, the Rothschilds and all those, you know, and the Fords, you know, like all those families being that they had a little bit of money, they were able to buy a lot of assets for pennies on the dollar. So as you know, no crash or depression lasts forever. So when the depression or the crash is over and the value of things come back up, you just bought these very uh, priceless, valuable assets for pennies on the dollar. And now when everything is back good again, the price of those assets is going to skyrocket. So now you own something that's, say, worth a million dollars, but you bought it when the economy was terrible. So you bought it for 100000 so that's when you want to buy. That's when you want to get rich. You don't get rich when the economy is great. And so everybody should be looking. It's crazy to say this, but everyone should be looking forward to the economy crashing. If you're an entrepreneur, anybody who's a business person, you should be looking forward to the economy crashing because that will present opportunities that will not be not be available when the economy is great. All right. Um. They say that one of the two things that you should always invest in, of course you invest wisely, but the two things you should always invest in is alcohol and food. Because whether people are rich or poor, they're gonna drink when they're happy, they're gonna drink when they're depressed. Same thing with food. People are gonna eat when they're happy, they're gonna eat when they're sad. Because regardless of whether the economy is good or bad, you have to eat to stay alive. So those are two things, those are two commodities, those are two items that history has shown us that no matter, matter when we're in a good or bad economy, I'm sorry, uh, no matter whether we're in a good or bad economy, if you are a wise, astute investor, you can make a lot of money off of those two commodities. And so that's something that you know people should always kind of keep in mind. Let me see, I wanna start investing. Uh. Christian, Lauren, yeah, I think we spoke, Chris, man. You said you want to start investments and properties and you have capital. You just don't know where to start. Yeah, man, I'm sorry, man. When I was in New Jersey, we were supposed to link up and I, it, it slipped my mind. And I was actually in New Jersey for like five days. And for some, I think I spoke to you before I flew out there, but um, it just slipped my mind to come and meet up with you. And I was, I was free for like three or four days. But yeah, man, um, just shoot me a text message or give me a call, man. I really think we can find some solutions to that, man. You know, and also, yeah, so Christian Lauren was, um, uh, he's a videographer in New Jersey that when I was coaching real estate agents in New Jersey back in 2016, he helped do one of our first drone videos for a um, $800,000 house that we were able to to list uh, and I was able to get my agent you know 1.4 million dollars in the listings in the first 12 days of her real estate agent career and so Christian was uh, someone who helped us put out our first piece of marketing material let me see do, 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 do. what questions we got okay I think I answered that question Da, 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 da. New Year's Steve says when the next time I'll be in Jersey I'm in Jersey all the time and I'm in Jersey once or twice a month uh, I don't I don't usually plan it I just uh, I just go you know so 
I'll be in New Jersey once or twice a month. I'll, I'll typically be there for two or three days. I mean, the last time I was there was last week. I was there for like five days. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up there all the time because it is, you know, I, I spent the last 10 years of my life in Jersey. So Jersey's home for me. And so, um, you know, I still have properties there, still have friends, still have business dealings there, still have a lot of, you know, everything associated with my adult life in Jersey. So I'm still there all the time. Hey, I'm, dro I'm dropping gems today, man. Y'all need to take advantage. Take advantage, man. I don't do this every day. I'm not like Jay. I don't give y'all game every day like how Jay does. Jay gives y'all game every day. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I only give it to you when I get the inspiration. You know, so. What we got, what we got, what we got, man. What we got. Hey, but um, I want you guys to look at this shirt I got on. Black Brilliant Billionaire in the Making. This is made by Melanin Money. Melanin Money is a, uh, a, a clothing line and also a financial literacy company based out of, I think, North Carolina. Founded by George. I don't know how to pronounce George's last name. If I did, I, I, I would say it. But uh, you should go follow them. I follow them, so just just look look at my followers and type in Melanin Money, and it should pop up. Their logo is like two M's together, so check them out. Lori says, did you start off with a mentor, understanding someone? How did you know what to say, and how did you find your first buyer? Uh, no, I didn't start off with a mentor. Um, I started off by... Google and YouTube. I mean, I guess you could say I had virtual mentors that I had never met and never spoke to. I just used to watch their videos every single day. Um, I know, let me see, who are the first guys that I, I mean, when it came to videos, I think Phil Pustiowski was one guy that I used to watch religiously every day. And then um, when Jay started putting out videos with consistency, I believe back in uh, 2014 or so I used to watch Jay on a regular basis uh, there was a couple other people I just can't remember their names right now um, oh yeah there's a guy I forget this guy's name and that's sad because I got a lot of game from him he's a black guy older black guy uh, co-writer of real estate for dummies and I think he speaks mostly just on commercial real estate. All his videos, he's just on a whiteboard and he just breaks down the game. Smart guy, I'm talking about genius. So I used to watch him a lot. And so, you know, I didn't really have, I mean, I didn't really have um, someone to tell me exactly what to do and how to do it in the beginning. I would just watch it on a video and go and try it and see how it works out. You know, the best way to, to learn is not to have somebody tell you exactly what to do so that you never fail is to actually go out there in the game and play and learn by playing the game like you're gonna get to be a better basketball player not by watching a whole bunch of videos on how to play basketball but by actually playing the game and knowing that okay if I shoot the ball like this it may not go in but if I shoot it like this it's more likely gonna go in like you only find that out by doing it wrong and by trying new things you know like Allen Iverson knew how to cross people over so good because he spent so many years on the street court just trying out moves.
just trying out moves. So when he got into the NBA, he knew what would work and what wouldn't because he had seen what actually worked in the game. Same thing is in real estate. You got to get out there and just try stuff. stuff some stuff is going to work. Some stuff isn't. But when you figure that out, now when you're actually ready to play, when you're actually ready to buy your own property, when you're actually ready to put up thousands of dollars as a down payment for your own deal, you're confident with what you're doing. And so the reason why wholesaling is a great way to start is because wholesaling is like that street court game. It's like the street ball. It's where you kind of can learn without risk of losing a lot. You can learn like what works and what doesn't. You know, you learn a lot about the business, man. You learn all the terms. You learn... You learn um, 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 uh, 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 what, what lenders want. You learn what investors want. You learn what sellers want. And you kind of learn all this stuff without you having to risk or put up anything. And so that's just a great, a great space to be in. And so, uh, so yeah, that, that, that's really how you learn. Um, analysis causes paralysis. Uh, yeah, I mean, an, an analysis is good for everything. Like, you have to analyze things. You can't just go into things blind. You have to, like, analyze, but at some point in time, you got to stop analyzing and go in. Because if you analyze too long, you're never, ever, ever going to actually be able to, like, practice what you're analyzing. You know, the iPhone, they come out with a new phone two times every year. If back in 2007... They said, you know, we're not going to release this phone until we analyze all the data so that we can make a perfect phone. Then you would never, be, you would never have an iPhone because it would never be perfect. There's no such thing as being perfect. You guys got to get that shit out your fucking mind. Perfection does not exist. The richest companies, biggest companies in the world, Amazon, Uber, Apple, they are not perfect. They have these phones. I'm on an iPhone right now. These phones fuck up all the time, every day. Glitches. They overheat. You know what I'm saying? This the screens still aren't crack resistant. Like they're not perfect. So you're sitting there trying to be perfect when companies that are probably bigger than what you and I will ever be in our entire lives aren't focused on being perfect. They're just focused on getting a product out there and getting customers and building a relationship with customers and and building brand loyalty and building a brand, you know, getting into your subconscious. That's what they're worried about, you know? So you need to also be worried about the same thing. You gotta see, you guys, you gotta see yourself as a big company. You gotta stop seeing yourself as some little person. You gotta stop seeing yourself and your brand as some small business or some startup. You're not a freaking startup. You're a company, you're a company. And companies don't look at themselves like, you know, the little bastard adopted brother that nobody wants. Companies step out, whether they're a small company or a big company, and they step out there like, yo, I'm the best. I'm the biggest. If you're going to give anybody your money, you need to give it to me. And that comes with confidence and it comes with just, you know, believing in your product. So if you have analysis paralysis or if you're scared to step out, it's not because your ideas are bad. It's because you don't believe in yourself. That's the only reason why. Because I don't care how bad or unexperienced you are. I guarantee you there's somebody who's worse than you who actually wrote out a product and is selling their product that's worse than yours or that started their business that's not as organized as yours and they're making money, more money than you. So it's not that you know you don't have what it takes. It's that you just don't believe in yourself. 
Prop Nice says, why apartments over single families? I mean, that's easy, man. I think you asking that question tells me that you already know. Like, you already know. If you'd even ask that question, then you you have an idea why. Um, if you ha if I have a single family home as an investment and I'm renting that out, if my tenant loses their job or something happens and they can't pay me rent, depending on the state that I'm in, it may take me six or seven months to evict them. So for six or seven months, I'm not getting any, any rent. So that's six or seven months that I'm not able to pay the mortgage payment on that house. So that's a great way to get your property foreclosed on and taken from the bank, investing in single family homes. But if you invest in an apartment building or a multifamily, something that's two units, three units, four units, five units or higher, if one of your tenants or two of your tenants loses their job or falls on financial hardships and they can't pay you, while you're going through the eviction process to get them out and get somebody else in that can pay you, you're still getting rent from the other tenants who still have their jobs and are still making their payments to you on time. So it's like an insurance policy. It's like a safety net. You never want to put yourself in a situation to where your financial success depends on one person to pay you rent every month. That's just a terrible spot to be in. If you have family, if you have kids, like you cannot build your empire off of being irresponsible like that. Now, there are a lot of people who do invest solely in single family homes, and I'm not knocking their hustle. You can make a lot of money renting out single family homes. I just feel that it's a way higher risk investing in single family homes than it is investing in multifamily. So if you really wanna mitigate your risk in investing, that mitigation is a lot more effective if you invest in multifamily properties. You know, if I have a 50-unit apartment building, if 10 people get fired and they can't pay me rent, guess what? I'm still getting rent from 40 other units. So those 40 other units can still cover any of my mortgage payment, my property management fees, my property taxes, my expenses, my heat, hot water, all the bills that I have to cover as the um, property owner can still be covered by the 40 other tenants that I still have while I'm going through getting rid of the 10 tenants that can't pay me currently. And so in that situation, I can still sleep at night. But if I only have one single family and that tenant can't pay me, it's gonna be hard to go to sleep at night because you're sitting here looking at foreclosure right in the face like, damn, when I'm getting some money so I can pay this bank. If I don't pay this bank, they're gonna take my house, man. And now I'm gonna have a foreclosure on my on, on, on my credit. Now and then I'm not gonna be able to get another loan for four or five years. And then I'm gonna have to file for bankruptcy. And I'm gonna be broke as hell. And then I'm gonna be back poor. Then I gotta start from scratch. All because your little simple ass decided to invest in a single family home. So that's why, you know what I'm saying, you don't or I prefer that you don't invest in single family homes. Prop Nice says I can pull cash out faster from a single family home. Who told you that nonsense? We talking about it's the same process of pulling out cash from a property. It's called a home equity line of credit or a refinance. So it doesn't matter what the property is. If your credit works, your DTI, your debt to income ratio is in line with what your lender, your bank wants to see. And if you have good payment history with your lender, you can pull the property out just as quickly. It doesn't matter whether it's a single family or an apartment building. I'm not sure who told you that, but the type of property does not 
depend on how quickly you can pull money out of it or refinance out of it. The type of property doesn't matter. It's your financial and credit worthiness at that time with your lender, which matters. You know, there's somebody who could own a 50 unit apartment building, but you know, their DTI has significantly increased since they got that loan to buy that property that if they wanted to refinance, their lender who currently has the mortgage on that property would tell them, no, your DTI is too high. We're not going to refinance you. You can continue making your payments and we can, you know, have another conversation six months down the line, a year down the line, but we're not going to refinance you. And then you can have a person who has a single family home who their DTI is low. And the bank will say, yeah, sure. Come with it. We'll give you 80% of the equity that, you know, has appreciated in your home. So it's not about the property. It's about your financial standing with the lender. Uh, let me see. So Davis says, I have $60,000. Can I get into real estate? Is that good? And what can I do with that? Yeah, so 60 grand can definitely get you in the game. Um, $60,000 can get you... Um, into a number of decent situations it just depends like what's your appetite i mean sixty thousand dollars is a great down payment for a multi-family depending on the city and state that you're in depending on the country that i mean sorry the part of the country that that you're in um sixty thousand dollars can can definitely be done as far as getting like a four family or something i mean because typically with a four family you only have to put three and a half percent down if you're getting an fha mortgage so yeah, sixty thousand dollars. I mean, you could you could get a four unit with fifteen thousand dollars down. You know, you don't you don't you don't need you you don't need to have you know sixty grand to get into the game. If you got sixty grand, you're good. You're in a great space. How will the market crash affect affect wholesalers? Thank you. So the market crash affecting wholesalers is going to mean that these ridiculous prices that these wholesalers are putting out there for uh, for sale of wholesale deals nobody's gonna buy those deals one of the reasons why i stopped getting into wholesaling it was because i kind of got what i needed to get out of it i feel like i was you know i got into wholesaling during the golden era um you can still do it now i'm not knocking it i'm not saying it does it doesn't work anymore because that would be a lie it still works and it's a very it's a very effective strategy but i started seeing that a lot of wholesalers just weren't analyzing their deals the right way they were inflating their arv numbers they were inflating their uh, as is numbers and it was like okay the house is really worth 30,000 but because you're a terrible negotiator you signed a purchase agreement with the seller for 60 grand and so now in order for you to make money you got to sell this $30,000 house at $70,000 so that you can make a $10,000 assignment fee and so basically when the crash happens Wholesalers who aren't experienced and or who aren't doing things the right way are not going to be able to sell their inventory. The reason being is that sellers, when there's a crash, sellers are going to want to get the most amount of money for their property. So if you sign a purchase agreement with them at a number that is way more than what their house is worth, they're going to sign it as anybody would because it's like, okay, hey, if you say you can get me $70,000 for a house that's only worth thirty-five dollars or only worth forty. dollars Shit, come on with it. So yeah, you know they'll put you in that situation to where you now got to go and do the impossible 
and you're out here trying to shop a bad deal. And I think when the crash happens, a lot of investors are just not going to go for that bullshit anymore. They're just not going to be paying 20, 30 and 40 percent above market value for deals anymore. So, you know, that's why it's very important for wholesalers to learn how to pull comps, to learn how to get accurate, accurate renovation and rehab costs, to learn how to properly analyze deals analyze market trends, analyze the neighborhoods that you want to wholesale in so that you can actually get deals under contract for the right amount of money. 65% of the after repair value or 65% of the market value. That's what you need to be at. Anything higher than that, you have a deal that either you're not going to be able to get rid of or if you do get rid of, you're going to be passing on a tax, a toxic deal to an investor who when it goes south for them, they're never gonna buy anything from you ever again. So you literally will just like, it's like taking your career to the backyard and putting a bullet in its head. In, in, in its head. You know, so you don't wanna do that. All right, so do I do buy, buy and holds? Yeah, buy and holds is all I do right now. Buy and holds is all I've done for the last two years. Um, I, I'm not really interested in flips right now at all. Everything I do is buying holds. What are some key points to look for when analyzing a market? So what you want to do is you want to go to this, the town hall meetings of whatever town or neighborhood you're trying to wholesale in and find out what's going on in that neighborhood. Find out if there's like a new Starbucks being built or if there's like a, a new company that's going to be putting like a headquarters there or if they're gonna be, if there's gonna be like a Dunkin' Donuts being built there, a 7-Eleven being built, like any new construction, any company or franchise, or if, if there's any company that's gonna be investing a lot of money into building something in a town, then that is an indication that the property values of that neighborhood may be going up at a later date. So you wanna go to town hall meetings and just learn as much about that neighborhood or that town as possible. You also just wanna drive around that town on a regular basis and just get a feel for what the town looks like, what it feels like, what the people in that town look like. You know, all the time, if I drive around the neighborhood and I see that, you know, 5.36 p.m., there's a lot of people just on the streets, like jogging, just exercising, because, oh, it's 5.30, 6 o'clock, they're out of work then that tells me that that neighborhood is an area where there's a lot of young families or young professionals because young professionals and young families, for the most part, are the ones that care about exercise the most. And so people that really care about exercise, statistically, they're also responsible in other areas of their life. So they statistically have good credit. They statistically have decent paying jobs. They statistically could get approved for a mortgage to buy a home or a condo and stay somewhere at some point in time. So those are all the things that you kind of want to look for. You want to look for like just the little nuances that that will that, that kind of make up a community. And so that's very important. Also, another way to kind of focus. Oh, and so, yeah. And so in a neighborhood like that, you'll want to look for the worst house in the best neighborhood. Always. You want the worst, most disgusting, most unwanted house in the best neighborhood. Because that's where you can uh, preferably get the best deal and then still have that upside when you want to flip it or sell it. Uh, another strategy is if you're in the hood, look for all the house, look for the block that's got 10 abandoned houses on it, back to back, right next door, just abandoned house, abandoned house, abandoned house. There's opportunities there as well because 
you can get those houses for the most part you can get them for next to nothing you know you may be able to get i mean i've gotten properties for a thousand dollars before real talk like i've gotten properties for a thousand dollars before so in, in in neighborhoods like that you know you may be able to get you know properties or lots of land or you know abandoned homes for a thousand fifteen hundred two thousand dollars and you could be able to wholesale them for four thousand dollars so you can still make money you know so i i would i would look for just a, a lot of those things let me see boom boom all right y'all i gotta go man i gave y'all like half an hour 45 minutes I gotta get to work, man. Um, I appreciate all, all you guys who came up on the um, on the live, man. Share this live, man. I'ma let it stay up for 24 hours. Share it, and uh, I see y'all on the next video. Peace, love, and happiness. Black, brilliant, billionaire in the making. Peace.